You're listening to In The Bunker, a podcast that explores the biggest challenges in starting and running a business. My name is Joshua Maddox, and I'm an entrepreneur and business owner myself. I'm sitting down with business owners to talk about the challenges they face, the lessons they've learned, and how we can all grow from it. Awesome. Today we have Charles Antis on the show. Charles was faced with a challenge of just getting new work and also focusing on self-care. As a new business or a small business, self-care is a huge thing. However, despite the odds that every business faces, he has built a company with an impact-based mindset. And Charles has over 32 years of experience in providing people one of the biggest things we all take for granted, the roof over our head. As the owner of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing, Charles has helped so many SoCal families stay safe and dry by literally putting a roof over their head. There's so much to unpack here and learn from him today. And I'm super excited to just jump in and have this conversation. Thanks, Josh, for having me on. Good to have you. Let's dive in and give that 90 second background. Who are you? You know, how'd you get here? I am a roofing contractor, but really I'm a, I'm an awakener of people. I didn't know that would happen, but gosh, you go back in time. I came to California originally on a sales job. I was selling insulation door to door. I sold a family. I was so excited. I went back the next day to pick up the check. You know how excited you love your customers, this family. I I thought I was going to save them money and they wouldn't answer the door. I saw them until finally the neighbor comes and she's, I hear her footsteps on the Porsches. You get out of here. And I say, why? You were trying to take advantage of this family. They were not going to get the savings you promised. And I looked at her and I wanted to be angry with her, but I read what she said in the contract and I thought, oh my gosh, she's right. And so I'm a guy that ended up in Southern California who's a laborer who grew up in the mountains of Oregon who looked for a job. And that's how I got into roofing 32 years ago in Southern California. I quit a job because I wasn't providing value. I wasn't doing the right thing like my dad taught me how to do. And I looked for a job and the only job I saw was in roofing. And that's how I got here in Southern California 32 years ago. That's the best way I can start it in 90 seconds. That right there, I think, speaks so much to the values of your company and the values of you as a person, the aspect of not only did you not care about at the end of the day, you know, getting the money from that customer, you quit the job because it was not the right place to be. That was the last job I quit. (laughs) (laughs) So what is one of the biggest business challenges that you faced? And before we hit record, we sort of touched on this briefly, but I want to dive into that and that sort of big business challenge. I would love to talk about today. I know we will, but I got to go back to what it felt like 32 years ago, because it's got to feel like this to people that start a business, that desperation, that I wake up at 3 a.m. whether I want to or not, and my head is moving. I start sweating. And what do we do? And so what I did was I was desperate to solve leaks. I just got a roofing job. And in fact, I got to tell you, I went out and did a repair in my first few months there. And I was so proud that I went up there with my skill. I solved the leak that was getting into this family's home. And the owner of the company went out there and looked at the leak the next day that I repaired. And I was sitting I was so proud of him. I look what I did. And he goes, that's going to leak again. And I said, well, why? And he goes, because he showed me where I had pieces of coping going up and they should overlap. I had backwards lap these pieces of coping. So water was going to go right in and under the flashing. And I was humiliated. And I decided right then I will never make that mistake again. I'm going to become the very best 
at solving leaks. And so when there wasn't enough work at this company, and when I started my own business four years after I entered the roofing market, this is in 1989, I was so desperate for work that I actually, one day, my job was putting weather stripping on that home bedroom door converted to an office so that when somebody called two or three calls a week, they wouldn't hear my daughter. And so under that condition, I got a call and I need to tell this story for what happened that first year. I go out to this place because a lady's got home or leaks in every room of her home and I'm super excited. So I'm driving, but I noticed that getting to the place where this lady's home's going to be the next day, the homes are getting smaller. I see a little graffiti. I, I swallow wondering, oh, where am I going? Until finally I turn on the street where the home's going to be. And I just see dead grass and the small home set back. And I, I'm desperate. I, 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 I don't want to knock, but my father's voice is ringing in my head. Son, do the right thing. And I knock on the door and these three things changed my life. These three things that happen really fast. I see a woman's face when the door opens. She's about 50 something but she's had a really tired month. So I don't know what to say, but I'm starting to say something. And before I can open my mouth, I'm hit with the smell of mildew. The smell of mildew is so strong that I've suddenly changed to fight or flight brain said, I'm about ready to leave, trying to say goodbye. But before again, any words come out, the third thing happens. I feel a tug at my finger and I look down and in contrast to the mom in my face, there's this little six-year-old girl with blonde hair and she has this biggest smile because she's got a visitor in her home and she probably didn't have very many. And she pulls me into this crowded living room into an undersized hallway. And then she goes right into this room. And I knew it was a room because she points with her arm to this My Little Pony poster on the wall. But at that exact time, I looked down at her feet and I saw a mattress with moldy bedding. And I was stopped. I was like, oh my gosh, what? do I do? I have to get out of here. I have a mortgage payment to make. I didn't have much work, and I, but I couldn't say anything. I didn't say no. I didn't say yes. I just stood there uncomfortable for what seemed like five minutes. It was probably 30 seconds. And then until finally the mother with the with tired look comes back in and I look at her face in contrast to the daughter's face. And then something happened that never happened that I can remember before. I looked at her and I said, in so many words, I said, I'm going to keep your family safe and dry. I'm going to take care of your roof. And then when I said it, I thought, oh my gosh, what did I say? I, I don't know if I can. I, I, I have a mortgage payment to make literally in two weeks. I don't know. If, and so I went up on the roof hoping it was just a hole. And oh, they needed a whole new roof. And so I, I didn't have any employees yet. I got on the phone and I got volunteers. And that weekend, we went out there and we gave that family a safe, dry roof. It wasn't my best roof I've ever put on, but it was dry. And they stayed in the home. And something happened that I didn't plan on happening. Something happened that shows itself in our culture here today, but this thing feels like this. Whenever I ran into that little family or one of those siblings, there were six siblings, it was like a, whoa, a high five, a hug before I hugged. I don't know what it was, but there was this enthusiasm. There was this goodness. There was this, we knew we came together to do something good. Somehow I trust you more. And that's today, looking back, what we have, what feels like culture here, back before I had any employees. That was a powerful moment. And I like to say, Joshua, that was what we all can have. Uh, that was my doctor on an airplane moment. What is that thing that you do that in that moment, you are the most prescribed person in the world that should complete? And that, like that doctor on an airplane, he hears that call from a pilot at 30,000 feet. Excuse me, there's a medical emergency. 
And that doctor, we all know, we all believe that he or she's going to raise his or her hand in that moment is going to offer that life-saving service to assist that passenger. And why are we different? Because in that plane, that doctor affects that passenger and everyone around them. But in that home, there were six siblings. There were six volunteers saying, yes, take that back. Us, me not saying no. I didn't say no. Somehow by not saying no, we found a way to yes. And by us doing that, it changed everything. And that's who we became, who we were. But I, I got to talk about one other part of it. That's the giving part, which felt like it was important. And I'll tell you why it is later. But it was also so desperate. I'd like to tell you what it was like trying to sell work. Do you mind if I go into that a little bit? Yeah, no, let's go into that. So when I was trying to sell work, I, I don't know how to tell this because I've, not, I've never told this part before, but I was desperate. I didn't get very many calls. And I remember I would get calls from an HOA because we sell to HOAs today. And I'd get a call from HOA and they would have leaks, like 30 leaks. And they think they need a new roof, but a new roof is going to cost a million dollars. And I went out there and I was desperate to sell them, but I was also desperate to save them money because I was thinking, why are they getting a new roof when their roofing material is in a good shape, but just leaking at all the chimneys. And so I was struggling and how do I solve this? And this is what I did. I would go up on a roof into a quiet place on that roof where no one was looking. I didn't want to be seen. And I would sit down and then I would lay down and I would close my eyes. And I don't know why I did this, but I remember on my way to jobs, looking forward to doing this, like thinking it was going to help me. And it, looking back now, I was meditating on that roof. I didn't know what meditation was back then, but it was as if the roof was talking to me. It was as if I was at a divining rod looking for water over a desert. Instead, I was on a roof. I was laying down and then I, I, I go through this ritual. And the ritual was this. I imagine that I am water. I am water. <laughs> That's, I don't know why this is making you emotional, but it's, this is what I did. I am water and I'm traveling down and leaking around this chimney. How do I get there? Where do I go? And I would lay down and I would imagine the paths of water. And I learned through this process of meditating on a roof that water, water and its beautiful ability to fall and gravity pulling it down, the capillary action can travel 30, 40 feet. And I did become the very best at solving leaks. And in that solving leaks, we found that there was capacity to do it and save the client's money in this way that we would dissect roofs. At the same time, we found that same capacity that we could donate roofs when somebody had a leaky roof. Now, I didn't want to do it. We never talked about it for the first 20 years, but this is what would happen. We would walk into a situation, we would run into a family, and suddenly we would see they didn't have money. And we discovered that we couldn't let a family have a leaky roof just because they didn't have the money to pay. Over and over, we found ourselves quietly. Sometimes I never told my employees because sometimes that stressed them out. But like time and time again, we couldn't let the family have a leaky roof just because they didn't have the money to pay. And you know, what's funny is now looking back, because you know, we do blood drives here. We do so many other things. We can't let a family have a leaky roof just because they don't have the money to pay. We can't let a family go hungry just because they don't have the money to pay. We can't let a family or a patient go without blood just because we don't have money. We have to do all that we can. Now, in doing so, we are defined. We have culture. We have cause. And also, we have a sense of contentment, a sense of fulfillment, knowing that what we do in our basic service 
is actually having great impact in the world. I think that's so key because there's a few elements there that you touched on that I want to unpack. One is the power of water. You know, as we're sitting here, I have a cup of water sitting on my desk. You're drinking from a water bottle. If you stop drinking water, we'd both end up in the hospital. And so water has this life-giving ability, but it also has this ability to wreak havoc, like you're talking about in one of those first projects. And it's so interesting to put yourself in that position of whatever you're trying to better understand, whether it's the water that's causing the leak or the client who doesn't have the money, and you're putting yourself in their shoes, trying to figure out that mom that may be working two jobs already that doesn't have the physical ability to make any more money to pay for that. And in reality, there's sometimes where I hear people like, oh yeah, you can totally buy a house. Just put away four or $500 a month. And it's okay. That person putting away $2 a month may be a stretch. And so these are the basic sort of needs that so many humans have a roof over their head, food on their table. And those are the things seeing companies that understand that and understand that not taking advantage of people is a good thing, <laughs> which just sounds, when you say it that way, it sounds so dumb, but not taking advantage of people is a good thing. Yeah, I think that we grew up, if you look at generationally, my, my generation grew up kind of taking advantage of the last generation, doubling down. There was a sense of win-lose and it was okay. It's not what works in the world our generation is now awakening to. There is the capacity to give that needs to be at the heart of business. And I, one story I didn't tell that is part of my legacy growing up in Oregon, growing up in a timber town where every man I knew when I was a kid, every man I knew worked in the lumber mills, the plywood mills, or if he was the most respected, really, no, no disrespect to my dad who worked in a lumber mill, but he would work as a logger cutting down trees, but there was great risk and it was just what we did. And you know, that was a big, important thing. Now, my grandfather was a logger and he came West looking for work after the Great Depression. And he didn't find any work that would keep him busy. He picked beets in Idaho. He originally left from Arkansas in the 30s. But when he landed in Northern California, Southern Oregon, he found the McLeod Lumber Company. And this industry back then held business the way that I want to hold it today. They said, we're building community. So they built hospitals, they built roads, they built schools. They brought in 40 of the best teachers in the state and they gave them top salaries. They even built a baseball field and built a minor league baseball team where my grandfather played for. I heard that story almost every time I saw him where he'd say, by God, Charlie, I got a trap for night. 39 for the St. Louis Cardinals. I went up there and by God, I swung that bat. And he tells the story of getting that tryout, how he would have made the team, but he got drunk that last night and didn't do well in the last day. But, you know, that is giving back to community. And that's something that we can do today. And that's something that we believe in today because we believe if we do it, we'll attract and we'll retain the top talent. And if you look around at this roofing, I believe there's proof of that concept here. And in the, in the future we're moving into, man, you have to truly have cause in what, why you exist. And at Antis, it's clear why we exist. If you were behind one of our logos here, it would say Antis Ripping, keeping families safe and dry. We know when someone in, in customer care answers the phone and someone's got a leak, we're not trying to collect. We're trying to keep 
them safe and dry. And we do it better than anybody in the HOA market up and down the coast because of this philosophy. But I love you talking about water. Water. Water finds, seeks its own level. Water's in all of us. Water's everywhere. In us, between us, it's in life. It's beautiful. It's in our air. We breathe in the air. It, but it also carries our viruses. Too much of it can flood our homes and even consume us. Water is a fun fun metaphor that I'm having a lot of fun with right now because we're writing a book about cause and business. It's about that moment when you're in that house and somebody needs something, that doctor on an airplane moment. It's about not saying no. It's about saying maybe. It's the power of maybe and what it does for culture, brand, and for how you feel and how you sleep at night. I love that doctor on an airplane moment. I love that sort of analogy of you know, we've all had that where there's some life-changing situation that happens and someone goes, I'm a doctor, I'm an EMT, I'm a whatever. And instantly everybody is so happy to see that person. For you, that person that you said, hey, I know you don't have the money to replace this roof. Don't worry about it. We're going to take care of it. Like that for that person, it was totally that moment. And I think that is you know, we touched briefly on culture before this, before we hit record. And I think the element of what you guys do and not just, you know, roofing at the end of the day, we're in Southern California. It can get warm. Being up on a roof at the end of the day when it's 100 plus degrees outside isn't necessarily the most fun and glamorous thing in the world. There can be tar paper, it can be stinky, it can be whatever. But that's just the tool that you guys used to keep those people, like you said, safe and dry. It yeah. is really, and I, I, I can pity my people until I remember because of the way we hold it. The leader in the field, Narciso Alarcon, he leads all the boots on the ground. He, had an, a, he won the best of the best, a national award for the MVP of the roofing industry. And, and on the cover of the magazine, it said, leading with kindness. So there's this element of really focusing on people that is really powerful. And, and if I would have known earlier, and you know, I gotta be honest, I was more generous outside my company before I was more generous inside my company. It felt like I could give that, that anecdotal roof gift because I had to, but if an employee wanted something, it was harder because the fellow, then they'll expect it. And it, I, did, I went through a lot of years of feeling like there's not enough. And I'm gonna tell you something, when you feel like there's not enough, you're always right. Think about that. When I used to say, no, there's not enough, I always ended the conversation, it done, it was done, it was over, it was finished. But I've learned a new habit and it's just, it's in not saying no. It's in it not knowing. It's in it not knowing anything in every moment where I used to have to know everything. Instead, if I show up not knowing, so much more capacity can happen. So today I have an automatic maybe and any ask comes here and as a result, we're able to help people even when we don't have capacity. We're able to help people by drawing attention so other people can donate. We're able to do that in so many ways. And what we find that everybody that participates lifted up, the brand is lifted up, the culture is lifted up. That shows up in a myriad of ways. It should show up in better safety. It should show up in better, you know, more fulfillment at work. It should show up in better performance. And, and that's where it does it answers without question. I imagine that speaks to the improvement of your guys' company culture, the improvement of your team's excited to show up in the morning because they're able to help people with this, with the challenge of 
having a leaky roof or not having a roof or whatever that might be. And that also probably speaks to employee retention. We, we have twice the national average measured. We haven't measured the last couple of years since COVID and no doubt it's dropped a little bit, but when the national average of retention in the ripping industry was 46%, we tracked 92 and 93% those years. And, and it's still, it's probably higher attrition even now. And yeah, we have a very, it, it makes a tremendous difference. You know, the thing though, that in starting where we started and with the history where we started, the dilemma today isn't getting work. Well, it is, it's in getting work, but it's for a reason of today, our brand is strong. Today, our culture is strong. Today, our challenge is we're in drought. In Southern California, we have extremely uh, light weather patterns and we've been working on all sorts of drought the last dozen years. And right now, the last couple of years, we're in a drought again. And that really affects us. And the way our phone's gonna ring, it really affects us. And this is, and so our challenge right now, Joshua, is how do you thrive through drought? And I got to tell you, um, some of our challenges, we've had some monies where we've, post, we've, we've posted in a row, three-digit losses, and we're not a huge company. One of the reasons it happened is when we saw our big work clock missing, we wanted to keep our employees busy. So we did two things. We ramped up training and we ramped up pro certification with the National Roofing Contractors Association. We're supporting that great institution. We're also giving our guys a, a training and a designation that will matter wherever they go that they can take with them. And it's not cheap in time or money spent. We've also invest in the community. Not only have we donated eight Habitat for Humanity roofs this last year, and we've donated 1.3 million of them in the last 10 years, but we upped our donations and we called over 20 nonprofits during when we were slow. We said, you guys house people that need homes, right? They said, yes. We said, Let's go to American Family Housing, other Ronald McDonald houses, a bunch of homemade projects. And we said, let us go take care of you. And we are installing new roofs. We have other contractors like Best Contracting Services join us. We have Beacon Supply that are supplying us. We have uh, GAF and, and IB and all of these great companies are saying, yes, Eagle Tile. And we have literally donated hundreds of thousands of extra in roofing, which we're, it's, we're paying for. It's costing us money, but because we have been giving and building for so long. We have a tremendous resource that we have invested in the company so we can continue to give. And what this gives us is it gives us happiness. We're happy today. We're not worried. Everybody in the company sees how hard the company's trying. We're not stressed over finances because we're prepared for drought. And we're not stressed in, and we're not stressed in any other way other than to, we're just saying, you're most important to our people. And as a result, we're thriving. Our brand has never been stronger. And what's going to happen when it rains again? That's when the job starts come. We are going to grow and, it's, and we're going to continue to grow and we're going to be happy. And the way we do it today, it's like just that first roof. Remember I told you that uncomfortable feeling? When the pandemic hit, it was new stuff. It was blood. It was food because I didn't know what to do in the community. And our habitat builds were stopped initially. And, and all of a sudden, our VPs here, Susan DeGrasse, who's on the board for American Red Cross locally, she said, Charles, food insecurity. I know you've heard this before. We've talked about it, but now you'll, it's time to listen. 22% of the people in your area don't have enough food. They're hungry. And so I remember I went out 18 months ago and I delivered a box of food to a woman in the second story of a condo. I wasn't supposed to go in, but she asked me to. And I carried this box in. And as I carried in, I looked at her. And she was really old in an old thin nightgown. And she was saying, bless you. And at first it hit me like, oh no, this is like uncomfortable. And then as I put the box of food down and turned, 
I, I turned to her and I just had this feeling that I don't want to ever forget. I had this feeling like, oh my gosh, I feel alive. Wow, this woman just reminded me what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to say yes to help others in need. And then she said, well, wait a minute. And I thought, oh, she's going to be a little present. And she wandered down the hall and I waited a bit until she came back thinking she had a gift or something. Instead, she comes out with a completely squeeze flat tube of Colgate toothpaste asking if she could have more. And in that moment, I got to experience in a powerful way, this rush of how it feels to know you're engaged, awakened in the moment, doing the right thing. And yet there's so much more to be done. And it was not long after that, Susan DeGrasse said, hey, we can donate 7,000 square foot of space every week and we can do blood drives. And we've had over 50 blood drives in the last 18 months. We've raised almost like 3,800 life-saving units of blood. And so something about this, what does that do for us? Look at our culture, walk in here, man. It's like a high five on that. It's like, it's like we saw a doctor on an airplane save a patient. We're high-fiving all around the office. And when you go out to our stakeholders, when we go to events, people show appreciation. People don't, when I walk into a board meeting, think of me as a contractor taking advantage of them. When I go into a board meeting, they look at me and they often say, thank you. And we have an immediate trust. And they sometimes look at me and they'll touch their hair like they're flirting. And I go, what are we doing? Why are you acting like this? And they'll say, we just like you. Why? And they'll say, are we doing good on your job? And sometimes they'll say things like, we just feel good when we think about you. And at first I didn't like that answer. Now I love that answer. Our job is to do right by everybody and to err on the side of generosity with all of our stakeholders. And if we do, our brand will thrive. Yeah, we may not, we may not grow in drought years, but we grow, our stature grows, our capacity grows, our love grows, and this huge network of good people trying to do the right thing grows. And I don't know what the power that is. I don't have an algorithm that measured it, but it feels like the impacts a thousand times more than what it's our, our bank account. That's amazing. And that's, that really speaks to in a time where no one would have blamed a business owner for laying off half the staff that weren't busy because you didn't have jobs. Not only was it, hey, let's keep them on board, but it was, let's spend more money training them so we can come back stronger in the future, which means when the drought does hit and competition who let the staff go, you know, who's ready, who's able, who's willing, and you've made incredible relationships with the local community, with decision makers with those people and they know who you are. I, I was talking with a while ago with a guy who was starting a car detailing company up north and he's, I don't know what to do for marketing. I don't have any money. And I was like, find three schools and do a fundraiser. Be like, hey, we'll, you know, help you guys run car washing. I'll help organize it, whatever. And I was like, do that type of stuff. Give back to the community first and you will see customers come in. It may take a little bit, but it's a sweat equity investment and you will build a relationship with your community and the community will support you. And six months later, he's like, I have so many customers. I don't know what to do. I'm hiring people. I'm growing. And that's great. It's a great thing to see businesses continue to grow and continue to thrive, 
even in economic uncertainty and, and everything else. You nailed it. There's a way to get there. And, you know, you're giving somebody a tool. And sometimes we do things because of opportunity. One of the things that you see hugely us, because we talk about it on KLOS Radio, Heidi and Frank's show on KTLA, and it's the California Love Drop. It's where Wing Lamb of Wahoo's Fish Tacos, a big local restaurant guy, hooked up with this Rupert and this KLOS Radio. And we just started bringing food and drinks to frontline heroes of hospitals, police and fire. And it just created a huge lift in the industry. That's a great lift for our culture and brand too. But sometimes I want to tell you that it's whatever your story is. And I'm going to tell you the area I've had the biggest impact where our companies had the biggest impact. And I'm, I'm this is the hint. It's, it's these socks that I'm wearing. It's a, those are Ronald McDonald socks. And you'll see they're a little bit worn. I have 40 pair of these in my drawer. I've been wearing them for four years on two campaigns. I'm going to tell you the campaigns quickly first, because they're both somewhat completed. The first was to adopt all of the Ronald McDonald house roofs across the country. And, and we have over 200 roofing companies that adopted them. So Ronald McDonald houses now have, have, will be safe, dry, and close at no cost to them when at all possible. That, that is my real story. Now, the other thing that just happened officially that Katie Rucker and I have raised $13.7 million to double the size of the Orange County house. This is the second campaign I wore these socks for. Now I'm going to tell you why that campaign works for me and for my stakeholders. It works because seven years ago, my twins who are hundred percent healthy today, Charlie and Gracie were born seven years ago, but they were born unexpectedly premature and they were in chalk NICU in Orange County in Mission Viejo Hospital. And so every day they went, we went from a healthy pregnancy to a happy pregnancy, my wife, Donna and I, to going to the hospital every day to check on them, to see if they're okay, to see if there's any bells or whistles going off in their incubators. And this one thing, the doctors, the chalk doctors told us, if you come in twice a day for two hours each time and pull off your shirt and lay your naked baby skin on skin on your chest, it will give them the best chance to heal. And so when you hear that, when you're a father, on a mother, man, you go there. And so we went there every day. And when we would go there every day to the hospital, there was a Ronald McDonald station. That's the first time I got what they did. There was beds, there was computers, there was snacks, there was coffee. There was nice attendant named Susan that would say, come here, here, have some coffee. And you know what, looking back, I, I hate to admit it, but I was rude to Susan. I, I ignored her. I, I wasn't ready to be part of that club, the club of families that had sick kids. So I pretended it wasn't happening and I ignored them every day until this one day I'm going to the hospital, I'm late to do skin on skin with Charlie, my son. And I had the worst chronic heartburn I'd ever remembered having. It was so bad that there's no way I was going to be able to lay him on my chest. And so I walked in and I was frustrated and I was worried about what my wife was going to say. And I looked down and there was no attendant at the Ronald McDonald house station. I looked down and I saw a little green nature Valley granola bar. And so I took it, I took it, not intending to pay anything back. I took this granola bar and I ate it and I don't remember anything except I remember sitting on that reclining chair about an hour and a half later and Charlie, my infant son asleep on my chest and I was hundred percent healthy and there wasn't any pain. And suddenly it started to hit me what that means to keeping families close. And that was a, that was a profound moment. And so when I told that story to the national roofing partners and all those people, it's like a family of roofers that, that were like me. They can't let anybody have a, a leaky roof just because they don't have the money to pay. They said, sure. And when I tell that story locally and Katie Rucker, my co pain manager told her story and we would rock the socks. And when my pal Wing Lamb, he just walked in, Wing, come in the shop, come here. When Wing, who wears the socks with me, he's like the most popular <laughs> in Orange County. 
He just walks in my office while I'm in a podcast. That's how close we are because we're That's awesome. bound together doing good in community. And that makes us really accessible to all of our clients, to all of our stakeholders, to all of our employees. And it makes our, our work together, like the love drop, like one old McDonald house, like the blood drives, like the, the, we're going to show up in two weeks. Wings going to be cooking tacos there. And we're going to drive the 500,000th nail on the 177,000th tile on the 86th home. We've donated a roof for Habitat for Humanity. So $1.3 million in roofing. And we're going to do that. And we're going to tell that story of how we got there. I'm, and I'm going to dedicate that gold nail that I drive in to the guy that for two years, 13 years ago, begged me to donate a Habitat roof, promising me it would change our brand and change my life. And he was right. And that's Greg Wise who passed and so thank you greg for sending us on the right path there wow there's been so much to unpack in this conversation and just so much here within regards to company culture adding value to the community community support and training we could probably spend another hour chatting we gotta go do a love drop so we gotta do a love drop <laughs> yeah what is your advice to someone who's facing some of these business challenges and bringing it back to the beginning of this we were talking about that element of just getting out there getting business and focusing on self-care and so what is your advice to someone who's in that scenario who's starting a business maybe or facing some of these challenges you were right when you're talking about getting involved with those schools it's it you're right but you you got to do it in the best way to find yourself i can't really tell my story about the socks i'm finding a way to be okay with myself and i remember i'm a guy that can wake up at 3 a.m with a head that doesn't talk and so i believe you need something that feels like meditation now i don't know what you call that what you do but you got to find a little bit of spirituality maybe you need to find some really positive uplifting thing in the morning to, to read every day to get you spun in the right direction I think that's really critically important that you find that. And I think it's critically important that you journal every day. I have this thing called the five minute journal. I got one right here that's really used. I have notes on it. And every day I write three things I'm grateful for, three things that'll make the day great and two IMs. You don't need the five minute journal to do that, but do that. You will forecast your day. Whatever you write down will come to pass. And then it's tell your story, get involved with the cause that fulfills you. If you want to have purpose and you're, you're want to sell your product, you need to be heard. If you want to be heard, you need brand strategy. You need to go up against, like Mike Wayne always says, it always it matters who you stand next to. So what you do is you build that bridge. And so if it's a cause, look at the nonprofit. If you love Habitat for Humanity, if you're a roofer like me, it makes sense to donate that. But before you do, you got to look at who's the CEO of that. It's scrutinizing, but you got to do it. If it's not a strong leader, you're going to get yourself into a quagmire. Really critically important. You look who's serving on the board. I know you want, you have a big cause, but go to the brand that has board members who have what you want. You will acquire the traits of the board members that you serve next to on boards. Matter, make that matter and look at the staff and then get involved, join a committee and tell them when you join the committee, tell them what you have time to do. You don't have to do 40 hours a month like I did the very first in Habitat because now I do a few hours a month for Habitat. And it's a very good arrangement, but tell them what you'll do, then show up and do it. You'll be fulfilled. You'll lift community. Your people will believe you inside and outside the company. And that is the best advice I can give anyone moving into the world where we're moving into where we're going to see exponential change upon exponential change. It's how you are in the world, how people know you by what you do. They will know you by how you perform. And if you have a brand like Habitat for Humanity standing next to you, what that does, they don't make decisions on their their cognitive brain, they make decisions on their animal brain. And it's, if I'm a Habitat for Humanity, it's like I have a tattoo on my forehead 
that everybody can see that says, I think everybody deserves a decent place to live. And that makes people in the community trust me with their children. I'm speaking a little bit lofty there, but I'm telling you how it feels to the brain that makes decisions. Because people know we rep Ronald McDonald House, they know that Wing and I think it is unimaginable to ignore sick children. That's not words, it's a feeling and they're right. We're gonna do what we can to feed them, to lift their smile and people know that. And that's how you need to be known in the world, known for the solution. And that part of the solution, by the way, should be a broad solution that within that category builds the bridge all the way to everyone. That's awesome. There's been so much in this conversation, so much to unpack. Appreciate the time today. For people who do want to reach out, who do want to find you, we'll have your guys' website, uh, YouTube channel, your LinkedIn, all in the show notes. Um, but what's the sort of number one way people can find out more about you, about some of the causes that you guys are? Ronald McDonald House is a huge name. And the fact that you guys and you know other roofers that you guys are partnering with are just helping cover those roof costs. That's That alone is just incredible. There's just so much there. It's incredible. It's incredible. I would just say, keep it simple. Just follow me on LinkedIn. It's the only channel that I personally do myself, my own LinkedIn. Our Antis Roofing is involved on a lot of channels. You can follow us. But if you follow me on LinkedIn, I'll plug you into the different things that we're doing because I personally get involved. And if I personally get involved, I don't over-meddle in those VPs that I work so hard to attract. Awesome. Appreciate the time today. Great having you. Thanks for listening to this episode of In the Bunker. As always, we can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at In the Bunker Podcast. Be sure to share this episode and what you're going to apply from it and how that can affect your business. Make sure to tag us in that post so we can highlight your journey as well. Again, thanks for listening. Each episode of In the Bunker takes a lot of work to put together from finding the guest, shooting, editing, all of that. And where I really could use your help is twofold. First, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or another podcast platform that can let you leave a five-star review or a text-based review, I would truly and greatly appreciate that. It really helps with the algorithm and allowing other listeners to find the show. The next thing that I really need help on is sharing this with friends, family, business owners, people that you think need to hear this content. I appreciate you listening to this episode and looking forward to next week. Take care.